because in business, your people, especially if you're in a leadership position, whenever they hear you talk, they're they've got they've got glasses on, they've got yeah, filters yeah. that are turning whatever narrative you're trying to get across uh, through their filters. Mm -hmm. and, and it's amazing. You can go to, go to the same person uh, three weeks later and say, hey, can you pair it back to me yeah. uh, what the message was? And it's sometimes it's completely different. Life is an endless stream of challenges, but no worries. Manoj is bringing the world's best minds right here for you. Thank you, universe. Manoj, thank you. I'm so grateful. Makes me feel a little bit better. Thank you. Bootstrapping Your Dreams is here to give you what you need to succeed. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. I'm your host, Manoj Agarwal, and today we'll be having an interesting conversation with Dr. Andrew Temte. So Andrew is former president and global head of corporate learning at Kaplan North America. He's a thought leader on issues related to workforce reskilling, upskilling. In his 30 years, uh, 30 plus year career, uh, he it includes executive leadership roles in both professional education and higher education institutions. Uh, he is the author of the book Balancing Act: uh, Teach, Coach, Mentor, Inspire. Uh, Dr. Andrew is an opinion columnist for CEO World Magazine. As the president and global head of corporate learning, Dr. Andrew uh, spearheads Ka Kaplan's efforts in helping students become ready for the workforce, as well as in helping companies become more successful by attracting the right talent and upskilling their workforces. In this capacity, he oversees and leverages assets, cap capabilities, talent across Kaplan's global footprint throughout United States, United Kingdom, Australia, Singapore, Hong Kong, Asia. Um, Dr. Temte has been uh, recognized in a variety of media outlets as a thought leader on problems connected to professional education and workforce uh, upskilling. And uh, Dr. Temte has held uh, the following professional roles in the past. Kaplan's professional CEO, Dean of Ka Kaplan University School of Professional and Continuing Education, interim president of Mount Washington College, and president of the Kaplan University School of Professional and Continuing Education. Um, uh, Dr. Tempty's unique combination of higher education and professional education expertise gives him a unique viewpoint on topics relating to the future of work and job preparations. Welcome, Dr. Tempty. I, sh I should have sent you a shorter bio. <laughs> no, well, I mean, you have... Uh, you have so many uh, uh, great uh, successes under your belt, so obviously we had to highlight them. So, uh, you know, this is this is a very, very relevant uh, discussion because the world is going through a rapid change, you know, as we are coming, uh, uh, coming maybe in and out of this, uh, this pandemic and, and we are getting used to the new normal and upskilling, reskilling has become a, a major sort of uh, talk uh, amongst leaders. So, First, we will we'll go all into all that, but let's get to know you. How did you get into this field? Uh, can you walk us down the memory lane and tell us, uh, you know, how did you get uh, this far in your life? Yeah, so I, I wanted to I wanted to be a rock star. Uh, that that's that's where things started. Uh -huh. uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm a high school dropout. Uh, the, a lot of people don't know that know that about me. So I'm a proud holder of. Uh, uh, general education degree, uh, as we would call it in the United States. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and after I, uh, 
failed miserably at the at the, at the Rockstar gig. Yeah, uh, a failure I learned a lot from. Uh, uh-huh. So it wasn't a, a true failure. Uh-huh. Uh, teaching uh, really is uh, what what really centered uh, my around my passions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, gave me uh, uh, a way to continue to perform. Uh, teaching is a performance art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's uh, also exercises your technical skill muscles, mm-hmm. your emotional skill muscles. Uh, and, you know, my my dad was a teacher and and uh, most of my mentors uh, were, were teachers as well. So it it, uh, it it just fit right in. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, you know, you uh, you brought up one thing, uh, two, two important points I picked up, like it's very uh you know, very difficult for people to wrap their heads around that. If you are a school dropout and you have been responsible for training and teaching probably tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people across the globe, the the the, the criteria through which we look at, uh, you know, uh, qualifications and whether somebody can teach somebody something, it, it just uh, just shatters that, those beliefs. Is that is that true? Well, I. You know, I, I hold a number of credentials. I hold the Chartered Financial Analyst credential. Uh, I, I hold a PhD and a, and a master's degree. Uh, so, you know, I I ground through yeah, yeah. the, the quote-unquote traditional paths. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the lesson is that your failures uh, shouldn't define you. And and that, you know, I, 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 I do consider my... Uh, my 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 but budding career as a, as yeah. a rock star as a failure, uh, but I but I learned a lot from that uh, from that time in my life, mm-hmm. and and a lot of people just get wrapped in the mindset that wow I dropped out of high school so therefore that defines yeah, yeah, yeah. who I'm going to be for the rest of my life, yeah, and yeah, yeah. that's not at all not at all the case. That's uh, that's very well said. Yeah, uh, thank you for uh, shedding more light on that. And the second thing I picked up was uh, teaching is a performance art because uh, I, I completely agree with that as well. Um, so let's unpack that and, and also uh, let's connect it to your rock star career. Like, did that actually help you in becoming a better educator? Well, I, I very, very, very early in my life, my parents put me on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, uh, we my, my sisters and I, they would, they would take us to uh, holiday parties and yeah, yeah. line the three of us up, and my mother would play the play the piano, and we would we we would perform for mm-hmm. small audiences, uh, large audiences. I, I spent time on the on 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 the performance stage very very early on. I've been mm-hmm. a singer for for most of my life, so those experiences uh, definitely helped uh, with. Uh, really making uh, that that storytelling element, yeah, yeah. which is so essential for a teacher, yeah, yeah, yeah. but also for an for an executive. All uh-huh. all of that experience just really uh, was. It, it didn't seem obvious at the time, but it's been extraordinarily helpful throughout my my entire career to be able to package up a story. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Tell it, uh, tell it to an audience, and uh, and 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 maintain the, yeah, yeah, your yeah. engagement. 
that is great yeah no i couldn't agree more so so let's dive a little bit deeper into that like so you know a lot of people do a uh, wonder because communication is is a skill that doesn't come naturally to us even though you know we learn the language as we as we grow up and storytelling is a huge part of how we communicate how not only communicate but that as you said keep the audience engaged and 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 make them remember what we said because it's one thing to just give some information and and then they'll forget about it but it's another thing to you know retain that information so um can you tell us how what uh, what effect does the storytelling component of communication have on other people yeah so storytelling uh, as a skill yeah uh and you know we're all we're, we're entering a phase in our history as as humans where skills are taking uh, a lot more precedence mm-hmm. uh certainly it's about uh, at the end of the day it's about the the rounded competency but storytelling as a skill uh what what that does it, when you hone that it allows you to tell the story in multiple ways through multiple mediums so that your story has uh more of a chance to actually get uh mm-hmm. received and uh and understood especially in that business context yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because in business your people especially if you're in a leadership position whenever they hear you talk they're they've got they've got glasses on they've got yeah, filters yeah. that are turning whatever narrative you're trying to get across uh through their filters mm-hmm. and and it's amazing you can go to go to the same person uh 3 weeks later and say hey can you parrot back to me yeah. uh what the message was and it's sometimes it's completely different yeah yeah so, so you have to as a leader train yourself and get really good at the skill of telling the story multiple ways uh, uh through time be consistent but change yeah. it up a little bit so that it gets understood by by multiple audiences that's great yeah thank you so much for sharing the, those tips um now let's talk about uh, education you know um so how how was uh, what was that journey from from uh, be- being a rock star you know performing arts into education like uh, were you already already sort of inclined towards teaching or how did how did that come about yeah so my father uh was a teacher he okay. was a a, co- a college administrator uh he finished his career as the president of a technical college in Wisconsin so i always had my dad back here going get an education get an education um and and so it was very natural for me once i once i got off the road and uh beating my beating myself up uh trying to be trying to be a rock star to go into education and it was only during those kind of during my bachelor's degree experience where i really said to myself wow i want to do that mm-hmm. i you know i uh, the guy's name is keith sharoni he was an mm-hmm. economics uh, professor at the local university that i went mm-hmm. went to he's one of my mentors and and i i wanted to i wanted to be like him mm-hmm. and also in my dna is uh the desire to help others to mm-hmm. help build to help build up others and there's just no better way uh to do that than through the oh. through the art of teaching yeah, yeah. and 
and through that journey, I, I was very fortunate uh, in my entrepreneurial days and then in my uh, time at Kaplan to continue to build that skill. And it was a very natural progression into into leadership uh, into mm. leadership roles. I see. That's great. And so so now let's talk about Kaplan. I mean, uh, you know, um, you, you 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 kicked off uh, things with Kaplan quite a uh, quite a time ago. Was professional education the way that we know it today? Was that like a, a thing or you pioneered it? Like how, what was that situation like back then? Yeah, back in the 1990s, there was a real separation between higher education and professional education. Yeah. Professors at universities for the most, I'm generalizing here, but for the most part, looked down their nose at professional credentials mm -hmm. like the CPA, the yeah. CFP, the CFA, those are certain financial uh, financial credentials. But yeah. it just wasn't a natural thing to tie a degree as a credential to a professional credential, which is really the demonstration of a set of skills that are valuable or have currency in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the workplace. Yeah. And I, it, so, so those kinds of credentials that, that I just mentioned, uh, they certainly existed uh, back in the 1990s, but there was a real separation. I think mm -hmm. what, what we've done over the last 25 years uh, is, is really do the hard work to show the higher ed side that degree plus industry recognized credential mm -hmm. really has value to uh, to individuals to to show that not only have I uh, mastered persistence, which a degree is really a persistence credential. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Most degrees are persistence credentials at the end of the day, mm. but that I know how to do something. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've got a set of of skills, uh, demonstrable skills that uh, that I that I can offer you, and instead of your resume going into the circular file, yeah, yeah, yeah. got a much higher chance of getting a look if you've uh, got that combination of yeah. higher and uh, professional education. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, that that is another point that uh, you know very interesting observation that you brought up, which is a degree is basically. Um, uh, a resistance uh, uh, achievement, and um, do you? So let's bring it to uh, to the current day. Now you know a lot is is transforming once again. In the last two years, you know people have been adopting uh, e-learning at the unprecedented rate, and and uh, and the future of education itself seems to be a point of discussion. So what do you see? Um, let's take it from where we were like twenty years ago and today. And then look at the future as well. Like, where do you see things are going? And uh, uh, professional education, higher education, do you think they are going to merge? Or what, what are your views? Yeah, we desperately need alternative pathways to workplace competency. Mm -hmm. Now, some people are going to listen to what I'm about to say, especially if they have a higher ed background and uh, believe and, and and hear what I'm about to say and say, wow, that's really heretical. That, that's, mm -hmm. that, that's really bad. Uh, but, you know, the university degree uh, cannot 
take us from here to there. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is uh, I've, I've served on the, 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 the skills consortium for the World Economic Forum and World Economic Forum and many others uh, believe that we've got to reskill up to a billion people uh, wow. on a global basis over the next 10 years. Wow. So a degree yeah, 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 is the, the degree costs too much, a degree takes too long. Uh, it, it, and, and the costs are not just hard costs, they're soft, soft costs. So we need much more efficient, effective pathways to take an individual from point A, uh, some job that they're currently doing, and, and they could be entrance into the job market, and get them to point B, and point B being uh, uh, a new job that is uh, higher earning, does uh, mm -hmm. provides more opportunity for their family, and and so you're seeing a, a, a big move toward skills as the currency uh, of choice uh, that rides alongside a, uh, the the degree. So yeah, degrees will still be excellent signals of workplace competency, but. We know from research and anecdotal evidence that degrees are not preparing uh, people for the workplace yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as intended. You got a lot of CEOs and CFOs and learning leaders and HR folks saying, gosh, people that hold this degree from this university really aren't ready yeah, yeah, yeah. For, the for the world of work. Absolutely. So the bottom line is that if I have a portfolio of skills, that's coupled with knowledge, ability, and attitude, that portfolio of skills, that demonstrated, validated portfolio of skills should be just as valuable as a degree yeah. uh, in, in the hiring market. And you're going to see, uh, you're seeing a lot of that right now. Uh, and you'll see a lot more of that as uh, the, the phrase bachelor's degree required on yeah, the yeah. job description that that starts to fall away and gets replaced by this portfolio of skills. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's great. Uh, I think it it will be good for um, for the world and for students and everybody involved. Uh, in fact, you know, as you were as you were sharing those thoughts, I recall I was actually talking to a a, 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 a dean in the university here, local university, and these were the exact words. Uh, he said, you know, the days of degree degrees are over. And I was really, really surprised. He was he's running a university and he said over over the next 10, 15 years, I believe micro credentials will replace the degrees. So can you like you are um, seems like you're agreeing. So can you share some thoughts around that? Like what do you see micro credential being? Uh, what is the definition of micro credentials? If you can share from your perspective. What are the what is the importance of of these things moving forward? You are listening to Bootstrapping Your Dreams Show with Manu Jagarwal. Businesses face numerous challenges like finding the right product market fit, determining the market size, implementing a winning go-to-market strategy, crafting customer-centric USP. 
comparative analysis, looking for funding, building up cash flow and profitability. We have made a lot of free resources available to the entrepreneurial community, including this podcast. This podcast. We invite you to check out our websites and follow us on social channels. The links are in the show notes. We hope you find the resources useful and utilize them to grow your business. Grow your business. We also have some programs for entrepreneurs. If you find our content useful, then you will definitely find the programs outstanding. So do check them out. Yeah, so to be clear, I, I don't agree with your friend that yeah, the yeah. degree will somehow become irrelevant or mm-hmm. that the degree will somehow die. Mm-hmm. Uh, degrees will be important for a certain subsector of the population. Yeah, yeah, Unfortunately, I think we're on a path where the degree becomes more of an elitist uh, cr- credential ah, because of its cost, because of its lack of accessibility, <laughs> uh, diversity, inclusion, there are a whole host of those issues. Now, think about, to, to, to answer your question specifically, I'll, I'll go back and think about a 17-year-old kid who's yeah, yeah, yeah. in high school today and thinking, gosh, you know, got their parents breathing down their neck. What are you going to do with your yeah, life, yeah, Billy? Yeah. And and that kid is sitting there going, gosh, I can go spend four years at, at college and party and have lots of fun and maybe come out with some validated skills that are going to get me a good job. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's a more efficient, effective pathway into my first job where as a and, and, and a lot of this doesn't exist today, but there are a lot of people thinking about it where you take that same young man who's 17 years old and, and you start grooming them for, uh, for a career path. Let, and let's just say in wealth management, yeah, yeah. for example. So it, you shouldn't, to, to become a wealth manager, you shouldn't have to go through four years of college and then get a credential on top of that and maybe start earning decent money in your late twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's got to be a way, uh, and we're thinking really hard about this, to uh, to stack what your friend called micro credentials mm-hmm. and have those micro credentials be earned while you are earning. So you're. You're, you're learning while you're earning instead of learning to earn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where, uh, in the United States at least, we do not do a great job of apprenticeships, uh, except for in, in some of the trades, which is, which is awesome, electrician, et cetera. But we don't do a great job of, of, of apprenticeships where I can graduate high school I want to be a wealth manager. I want to do something wealth management. I don't know exactly what that yeah, is, yeah. but but here's a here's a micro credential stacked up on a, on another micro credential that gets me in the door. I yeah. start earning a viable a living wage, and I get attached to a mentor, and I'm and the company I'm working for is providing me additional education opportunities stacking more micro credentials on top of the portfolio that I already have. Those stack of micro credentials might lead to a degree, 
yeah. at some day, some point. But they, but they shouldn't. It shouldn't have to lead to a degree. Yeah. It, it should lead to a productive career in yeah. wealth management, where every step along the way, I'm learning, I'm earning. So college debt in that type of scenario, the, the debt yeah, we're no. carrying goes way down. Accessibility goes way up because you're going into high schools and you're talking to and wealth management is very male, white male dominated space. Now you're talking to women and you're talking to people of color and getting them interested in that career path and providing a viable entry option that mm -hmm. doesn't require you to go take Absolutely. yourself out of society for four years and go cloister in some yeah. uh, big ivory tower and spend $300,000 doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very well said. It, it sounds like it sounds like, uh, you know, it, it is going towards a more personalized approach where people can pick and choose what exactly they want to learn, where they, do they want to apply their skill rather than a very rigid pres prescriptive path that everybody must take, which is very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Some academics would say, well, that level of flexibility already exists. Mm -hmm. And sure, and sure it does within the university structure. Yeah. Uh, but so if a bachelor's degree takes 120 credit hours to earn, yeah. uh, many, many, many people end up with way more than 120 credit hours. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes a lot longer than, than it should. And, and, the, and the, the experience is not tailored and targeted uh, because one of the uh, but there's one of the things that is that that we've really got to do as society is we have to uh, really get across that learning is going to be lifelong. Yeah, I'm not just talking about reading the Wall Street Journal or mm. uh, taking an interme intermediate basket underwater basket weaving class. Uh, I'm talking about real learning at every step of your career that learning is never going to stop and the acquisition of new skills doesn't stop. So this concept of starting with a small portfolio of skills and adding to that and tossing away the ones that no longer uh, no yeah. longer apply and continuing to add, that fits really well with this micro-credentialing concept yeah. and doesn't fit so well with the current degree kind of mm -hmm. smorgasbord Here's the 1,500 courses that we offer at this yeah, university, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and and you know tailor your own journey. Absolutely. Uh, we 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 need those tailor your own journey, but it has to be uh, coupled with very clear direction, especially from corporations about what they're going to pay for, what matters, so that you can get a good job much faster out of high school become become a wage earner contributor taxpayer to society all, all those great things uh much 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 earlier and then just keep it going for the rest yeah, yeah, yeah. for the rest of your life that's well well said yeah i mean uh uh you know uh lifelong learning is 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 showing it's showing the the necessity of lifelong learning has become so much clearer in the last two years you know people who are who are uh, always sort of trying new things they are they are thriving pivoting their businesses they're you know finding new jobs and uh, and yeah i mean so so that is a point well taken 
Now, uh, since this topic is close to my heart, both education and artificial intelligence as well, um, and you have a, a very uh, you know a, a unique uh, vantage point to look at what is happening in the job market and education uh, as a result of AI. Uh, so, um, in your opinion, uh, you know a lot of people are scared. You know, AI is going to take our jobs away and whatnot. What is your opinion about AI vis-a-vis uh, -vis, you know the job market, education, professional education? Yeah. So AI is going to natural language processing, whatever name you, you want to call it, it will have and already is having a significant impact on, uh, on a lot of jobs. The, the lower level technical aspects of, of your job are going to be taken by computers that can think at low cognitive levels, but ever increasing cognitive levels. So what do we have as humans uh, to uh, bring of value to bring to the workplace? Yeah. Well, we have our human selves. The probability that a computer will be able to emote and connect and collaborate and teamwork, et cetera, uh, the, the way that the way that in a way that humans do, uh, at least for the next, uh, my foreseeable future, the next 30 years, uh, everything that I know about AI, uh, which is more than enough to fill a thimble, uh, yeah. says that, uh, that, 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 that part of your job, that relationship uh, mm -hmm. part of your job is, is not going to be taken by, mm -hmm. by a computer. So that's where we need to double down yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. As, as learners, as educators, is on those human skills because again at the end of the day what do we have to bring to the world of work but ourselves yeah, and you know old management styles where you know we all show up in suits of armor and yeah. uh, we don't bring our whole selves into the world of work that is certainly going to go away these kind yeah. of directive my way or the highway management styles and and we're entering this era uh, where 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 your opinion matters in business and the diversity of of uh, ideas, not just not just color and uh, and uh, and and gender, but the diversity and inclusion of ideas. We're going to get much much richer outcomes yeah. uh, if we if we say, okay, computers can can take that, yeah. <laughs> and let's and let's double down here. Because what's what's a business's most valuable asset? Humans. humans. The humans. Yeah. What does the business serve? Other humans. Exactly. For, exactly. for the most part. Yeah. No, this is uh, this is a spot on. I completely believe in what you just said. Uh, and 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 uh, as we were discussing earlier, you know, storytelling communication also will become even more important as uh, as computers take over because that is the fundamental sort of glue that binds us. Uh, you know, help us create the relationships. Now let's talk about your book, uh, 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 you know, um, uh, Balancing Act. So it, it is also related around this concept of teaching, coaching and mentorship. So can you tell us a little bit about that and what is the core message of the book? Yeah. So the 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 book Balancing Act is uh, is, is a set of uh, very some sometimes very personal stories about me and uh, and, and my journey. Uh, I don't tell stories uh, just for the sake of telling stories. I tell stories so that you, the, the, the reader, can learn something from those stories and hopefully 
uh, avoid some of the errors that I've made uh, throughout my career so that so that you can make new errors that are much more <laughs> value adding uh, to, to you instead of retracing the same the, the you know the same old the same old steps that that, that others have yeah. um, balancing act is as uh, as the name describes uh, all about the balancing acts that we play between work and our personal lives bringing our whole selves into the world of work uh, the the continued blurring of lines between uh, between work and uh, and 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 our per and our in our personal lives, and really getting folks to think about purpose, mission, aligning uh, aligning those two things. Uh, we've already talked about the value of human skill, and I I talk a lot about the the human skills that are 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 uh, critical. To uh, to both business success and uh, and 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 success in 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 one's personal life, uh, I I am a continuous improvement and organizational health leader. Mm-hmm. And to put the book into very very simple terms, I'm trying to get people into the upper right quadrant of a high empathy slash high trust culture balanced against a high accountability, uh, a high accountability culture. So that's kind of the unicorn that sits up in that upper right-hand corner, high accountability and high trust slash high empathy uh, at at the same time. And it's, it's absolutely possible. Absolutely. That's great. No, I've, I've read the book actually. It's a great read and uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of good information. Um, Now you, you mentioned a, a few things about mistakes. So, I would love to know if, if, if you can share, uh, you know, any anecdote, small little uh, mistake that you or a challenge you had to overcome so that, you know, we can we can share a little bit of glimpse of, uh, of your life story as well. Yeah. So biggest mistake uh, was the, the divorce of the, the divorce that I went through. Mm-hmm. And I'm spoiler alert. I'm happily remarried uh, to the same wonderful woman. Uh, mm-hmm. We're 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 continuing our journey together. Uh, but that experience was uh, something I wouldn't wish on my on my worst enemy and, mm. and the effect that it had both on me personally mm. and uh, and professionally. Now, there were mistakes aren't truly mistakes if you learn something from it. And I yeah. learned a lot, mm-hmm. uh, a lot during that time. Um, I would say that the second is that I, I didn't learn early enough in my career about quieting my own ego, mm. ensuring that it wasn't all about me as a leader, as an entrepreneur, but instead about the team, about the vision, about the customer. And uh, I was far too focused on myself. Mm. And, and people just need to hear that yeah, it might be scary to think about not being all about yourself early in your career, but it will definitely pay dividends if you are more inclusive, quiet your own ego, open yeah. the ears a lot more, uh, and you you will see uh, see 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 great results. And I would say uh, just number three, not to overload everybody, but hire people that can uh, surpass you. Mm. I, I hired, I, 
now some of my former reports, I don't want them to take offense to this, uh, but I, I hired too many people in my past that did not have the potential to surpass me. Mm -hmm. And it uh, and it negatively impacted business results. Got it made it. me feel better at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? I felt yeah, like yeah. I was more in control. Uh, but, uh, but at the end of the day, we didn't get that richness of yeah. the experience, the ideas, the, the diversity. And I, 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 I wish I could go back and learn that lesson a little yeah. sooner. Those are very important, very, very valuable lessons. Thank you so much. And now one more question is about uh, mentorship, you know, because even in the book, uh, you, you spend quite a bit of uh, uh, time on mentorship coaching. So what is the role of a mentor or coach in your life on uh, in other successful people's lives? Uh, because a lot of people uh, I talk to, they don't realize how important uh, a mentor um, can, what, what is the importance of a mentor in their life? Yeah, well, I, I, I have very strong uh, opinions about this. I think we're doing a terrible job uh, uh, when we talk about mentorship and coaching. And we tend to conflate the two. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, we, we tend to have them overlap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A coach can become a mentor, yeah, yeah, but yeah. a mentor doesn't have to be a coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we, I, I'd like, you know, I want to want to start our listeners, yeah, our viewers off there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the number, the second thing is the number of coaches you will have in your life is a lot bigger number than the number of mentors mm -hmm. you have in your life. Mm -hmm. if, if you if, if, if you think back, if you're around my, I'm 58, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of experience, but a lot more to come. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got this many mentors, mm -hmm. and a couple of them have already passed on. Mm. So people that I truly consider to be those high impact mentors, it's a very, very small number yeah, yeah, yeah. versus the number of coaches that I've had, which ranks in the, in the, in the, in the dozens, football mm -hmm. coaches, track coaches, um, you know, human skill coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, most of the teachers that I've had in my life have played yeah, yeah. some kind of, some kind of coaching role. So coaching is a very, point in time, uh, specific set of outcomes, uh, kind of, a, uh, kind of an engagement. It's a shorter, it's a shorter engagement. Uh, whereas, uh, my main mentor, a guy named Carl Swayzer, who we started the CFA business together back in 1990. Um, you know, he's, he's the guy that I call He's in his uh, mid seventies now. Wonderful man, but I can still pick up the phone. I can. I, I feel very fortunate. Still call him, get some advice. Uh, he always learns something from me, which is something else that is uh, very uh, which distinguishes the coach and, and mentor. That mentorship relationship should absolutely be a two way street mm -hmm. versus the coaching relationship, which is which. Uh, tends to be more one way. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's a great distinction. Thank you so much for sharing. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, uh, however, we we look on that um, and we refine the definitions, but they do play a huge role because we are always blindsided uh, in some way or the other and mentors can, 
can really uh, help us see through uh, all those blind spots. So, so thank you so much uh, for being with us today, Andrew. This has been a very, very uh, educational, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, conversation. Yeah, uh, and and uh, and a musical and rock star. So um, uh, now, before I let you go, can you tell us uh, if people want to reach out with uh, to you, connect with you? Uh, how can they do that? So you can uh, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just look up Andrew Tempty, and uh, I'll 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 show up. Uh, I'd love to connect with you. Uh, also, have a Facebook page uh, that of of the of the same uh, of the same name. My website is andrewtempty.com, all one string. Don't put a P in my last name. Uh, every, everybody wants to, so andrewtempty.com. Uh, on my website, you'll find uh, my podcast, uh, which I'd love to uh, to uh, invite you you to someday. Thank uh, you so much. Thank you. Uh, you'll find uh, my Saturday morning muse. Uh, every Saturday morning, I publish a very short newsletter on what I'm thinking and feeling through through the week that has value to you, and uh, and then I have my music. I'm I'm we're we're writing my band of uh, 17 years now. We're writing uh, we're writing original music, and I'm doing that with my son uh, Nicholas. Nice, nice. I'll be leaving Kaplan at the end, uh, just in a couple of days' time here. Oh. And uh, and and uh, really focusing on the thought leadership uh, and uh, and that upskilling, reskilling uh, journeys that uh, that we, that we talked about. But we've got some original music on the, on the website too. That That's awesome. So never never start uh, following your dream of becoming a rock star. I, I will I will not stop. That's awesome. Great. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I'm Sarah, producer of the Bootstrapping Your Dreams Dream Show. This episode has come to an end. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for the links to the resources mentioned in this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Until the next episode, goodbye. Keep going and keep winning.